Evening, Joe, Caroline, how are you? Hi, Rich, how are you? Hi, Rich. All good, all good. All good, good to see you here. Thanks for coming along and uh, sharing your stories. Thanks for having us. Thank it's you, it's a pleasure. Yeah, we so feel we... privileged to be in such good company as encouragers. Well, yeah, this is it. This is the um, Positive Encouragers podcast. Um, and so if you're invited along, sounds really grand, doesn't it? It means that <laughs> you're a positive encourager. But no, you guys seriously are. Um, obviously, I've known Caroline for, for some time. Joe, we've just met and we've had some exchanges. Um, but, um, but no, you, you are because you're doing some, some amazing work, which is what you're going to talk about, really. So how, how did you two first meet? So Joe and I live quite near each other and we met several years ago at a like a, a not sport related networking event and we just connected on LinkedIn and actually it's that meeting all those I mean two or three years ago that's kind of pivotal in our relationship now because by connecting on LinkedIn I saw what Joe was interested in which is a whole range of things because she's a very clever lady and a very busy lady but one of the things that really struck me was her interest in sport and her interest in raising and building up girls and how the two of those combined and there were so many posts that she was sharing on LinkedIn but when I had the idea which is it was a little bit different to what we're doing now but the idea that sort of started this whole thing off I just got to the point where I thought I really need to reach out to Jo and just tell her my idea. That was all it was. And Jo being Jo, who's very curious and was kind of like, yeah, okay, we've only met once, but yeah, let's, let's meet for lunch. So we met for lunch and, um, and I sort of started talking her through what my idea was. And by the end of it, we'd agreed to do it together. So I'm a, a great believer in um, you, I'm building a network and using your network. And for me, it's, it's really paid off in this instance. So that's kind of how we met. I don't know whether you've got anything to add to that, Joe. Yeah, I was just, we did meet at a networking event. And then I was just really pleased when um, we met again, as you say, for lunch. And you told me about about you know where your passions lie in raising two sons but actually seeing this huge gap in the market of why girls are not participating in sport as much as they should and I I thought it was just such a powerful message that you know you're raising boys but you felt so strongly about what we need to do for girls and yeah I think we just struck up a really nice connection and um, it's amazing isn't it how where a conversation can go from your original idea to thinking how can we turn this maybe into a business or is it a platform is it a campaign could it be all of those things which excites us even more and how far can we take it and I think that started to excite us coming up with a name what are we actually trying to do we are girls in sport felt like uh, something you know we wrote loads of things down and, and that was one that we agreed on that we really loved and then we've just fallen in love with our own brand which which is really nice um I feel like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it because we're still just babies really in, in, in this business. And, you know, I've been running a company with my brother for over 25 years. And even now it feels like we're just getting started. So, you know, even with We Are Girls in Sport, it feels like we've got, we've got so much opportunity 
Um, and people are being so engaging as well uh, already and building our social platform uh, was really important. So uh, it's, it's been so good to see how many people, even like yourself, Rich, of just saying, you know, being curious as well. What are you, what are you ladies up to? Where can we get involved? What can we do to support you? Absolutely. Well, I remember Caroline asking me a few things um, quite, quite a long time ago. And, and then it was to do with you, you were reading, I think you were reading some books to the boys. Yeah, uh, I should, I should really give you some credit here, actually, Richmond, because it was um, at a Christmas social gathering that I told you about an idea, um, which we're not revealing too much about at the moment, but an idea that I had. And you just said, just get on with it, Caroline. What are you waiting for? By March, you could have this off the ground. And I left there and it was, it was the April afterwards that I met with Joe. So it took me a little bit longer, but, um, but no, in fairness, yeah, it was probably you, Rich, that gave me the push to just say, just get on with it. Well, I mean, all I can say to that is it was probably a very good party because I don't remember saying that. <laughs> But I do, but I do, but I do remember, you know, us us conversing, and and you know, you you shared some some ideas, and and I think I maybe suggested a few names and, and things. Yeah, you did, uh, yeah. And and so that was so. How many years ago was that? So that was only where are we now? Twenty twenty one, two two years ago, three years ago. Right. Probably twenty eighteen. Christmas twenty eighteen was when um, we said that, and yeah, met Joe April twenty nineteen. And yeah, since then, we've kind of just really developed, you know, that seed of an idea and it's it's grown and grown and grown. And from there, you know, I feel like we're both quite confident now in what we're trying to achieve, um, which is kind of threefold, really. So we want girls to evaluate their their perception and their relationship with sport and exercise. You know, we want to be able to show them a really, really wide range of sports because often girls feel limited to what they do at school. And if they don't like those sports, then, you know, they may not start looking for anything else and they might just tar sport, all sports with the same brush. Um, so we want girls to find something that they can really enjoy from a sporting point of view, because we think that there are, you know, immeasurable gains, both physical and mental from doing that. And that once you, you know, once you become really involved in it, it just creates so much around you, that sense of community of being part of a club, even if it's a virtual club these days, um, you know, the, the lifelong hobby or career that you might have, no matter, you know, depending on how seriously you take it and how something that you start maybe when you're 11 or 12 or even younger can really become part of your self-care toolkit as you get older. You know, when we're in situations like we are now and you need an outlet to express your frustration or just get some fresh air or get 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour to yourself. If you've got some kind of hobby, which is an active hobby, then it's, it's, it's really going to help. So that's one of the, the main things that we want to do. But then, as I've just alluded to, we, we're really conscious of those teenage years and there's still a very big drop-off rate for girls. Um, 
So we want to persuade girls to carry on, to sort of brush aside, or maybe not brush aside, consciously brush aside the barriers that are out there. Um, and the way that we do that is we try to show our community girls who have already done that. Yeah. And we say to them, look at what they've achieved. Now, it doesn't have to be that they are elite athletes, but it, it could just be that they're you know, recreational athletes. But it's to say, look at what they're, how good they feel about themselves. And that's something we really are hot on, is how it makes you feel. We're not worried about your size, your fitness levels, per se. It's more about how it makes you feel. And we all know how good it feels when you run around the block, or for you, run a 50-mile run just for fun. Um, but, you know, you feel pretty amazing afterwards. So we want to show girls, those teenage girls, look, it's worth sticking at it, even through that embarrassment and feeling body conscious. Um, and the way we do that, again, is through the blogs. And that's kind of our third pillar, which is just improving the coverage of girls and women's sport, which is what we do on our platforms as well. We want to show girls on those little squares on Instagram, you know, look at this different sport. Like Joe interviewed a shooter. A shooter? Um, yeah, British shooter. Olympic shooter. Georgina Roberts. So, um, so, you know, that's what, we, that's what we're aiming to do. Uh, there are sort of three main aims. And, you know, Joe, Joe has got a daughter um, and two sons. Um, and I know that, you know, one of the reasons, as I said, that Joe and I are together working on this is that she feels passionately about it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You use the word sport. Um, and that that will have connotations for for people they'll have ideas and beliefs about what what sport means are, are you defining it somehow or are you just going to keep it very loose how, how are you dealing with that as a as a term so so it's actually it's actually a sort of a blog post or a a post that i have in my brain ready to go because you're right sport can be quite limiting as a word. I was actually just before I came on here looking at a Sport England report um, and how they define sport. And it's pretty much how I def define sport as well. It's really any kind of exercise, physical activity, dance, you know, even something like scooting, walking. So we want, when we often talk about sport on our blog or on our social platforms, we're conscious that we also talk about the word physical activity because, you know, darts is a sport. Yeah. I'm totally yeah. fine with a girl playing darts because there is so much you can gain from that activity. Does it break it, make you break out in a sweat? I don't know. I doubt it. But it's still a sport. And something like dance, which isn't considered a sport, um, you know, is, is extremely physical and demanding on the body. So that is definitely something that we, we need to define um, at some point. But yeah, that's kind of where my thoughts are on it. Jo? Well, as Caroline mentioned, you know, visibility is what really matters. And, you know, for my daughter, who is 11 and uh, she's, she's very sporty, she plays rugby, she plays cricket, um, she used to do taekwondo, she plays football, um, and she does all of those sort of stereotypical um, boy sports is what we're trying to change. Um, and obviously I've got big concerns that she might drop off uh, sport when she hits her teenage years and this is you know exactly what we don't want to happen 
Um, because, you know, like Caroline, and I do so much research and we don't like often what we read. And this is why we're trying to change it. I mean, the Women's Sport Foundation said that by the age of 14, that girls are dropping out of sport twice as much as boys are. So, you know, we've been trying to understand, you know, why is that happening? And one of the key reasons was lack of access or maybe they're not seeing role models. So they're not taking up sports that they can't see. And using my daughter again as an example, we, we love going to a bookshop or going to WH Smith and having a walk around. And all the books that we could see that were on offer for her age group, and mostly the books that Caroline is buying for her sons. I'm not saying, I mean, Erin absolutely loves Lionel Messi's, like her favourite footballer. But also are the girls' books nearby? And, you know, where, where are her role models in cricket? Um, or rugby for that matter I mean, we can't see them and and that's what really concerns us is how are they going to take up these sports even like uh, Georgina Roberts in British shooting uh, who started her career when like, she was like 13 years old but we were so fascinated to say how do you get into a sport like that where do you start and Caroline's been on a hunt to find fences and these you know squash players and people that are just not visible and our job uh, through the blogs is to try and share those stories of physical activity. Um, I, I rung Caroline yesterday because we were going to have a chat and I said, I hope you don't mind. I'll be really honest with you. We've been in all day. We've got to get out for, for our own mental health. We've got to get out for an hour before we lose the light. She said, don't worry. Um, my daughter has decided she wants to be a professional skateboarder as of, as of this week. Um, so I watched her at that skate park, Caroline. Uh, she got a helmet on. Um, and she just goes straight up onto the ramp. And it's just a straight drop off. I went, you're just going straight down to it. Yeah, she's completely fearless. And I watched her fall off so many times and get back up again. And it re made me feel really proud. I thought, she's just going to keep going. She's just going to keep practicing every day. How much we can learn through that just by just keep going and just keep getting yourself up. And she wouldn't give up until the light went. I said, we need to go now. But, you know, she had to. You're going to have to build one in the garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A nice, a nice half pipe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, over the last sort of year or so, there's definitely been um, an increase in the the media coverage of of women in sport, and I suppose there I'm talking more about you know the cricket, the rugby, the football. So the you know the what are deemed to be the big the big sports, um, but of course then you've got tennis and you've got golf and such like. What what kind of uh, what kind of changes have you noticed as a result of of that? Well, I've got to admit, Richmond, that um, when England England women's rugby played France quite recently, um, and there was also the men's international going on at the same time. I mean, I I had to tell Joe about it, but looking through, I won't name the newspaper, but a newspaper's sports supplement that weekend, um, I would say that 60% of the paper was dedicated to the men's game and 5% was dedicated to the women's rugby match that weekend. And they'd had, both had had TV coverage, you know, both had had quite good, the women's game had had quite good billing. So it wasn't as if, you know, no news group had, had taken it on. But I find that although we are seeing improvements, and I think the Daily Telegraph is doing amazing with their, with their supplement, um, which comes out, and they're really uncovering some interesting stories, um, 
there is an there is an improvement, but there is still an awfully long way to go. And you know, I don't think coronavirus has necessarily helped, especially like going back to the Six Nations and what's happening with that. Um, so, without wishing to sound like a complete pessimist, you know, yes, there has been some progress, but I mean, Joe and I feel that there is still such a long way to go before we've got equity for both men and women when it comes to the media coverage of sport. Yeah. So do you, do you think that we're going to get to a point where we'll see equal coverage? I don't know. Obviously, the positive side of me would love to see that. But at the moment, as you say, it's it's too fast one one way. I mean, I, I am one of these people that absolutely love to get the Sunday papers. I love to go up the garage, come back with my Sunday papers. So I always get the Telegraph and the Times and I make a, a really good point of looking through to see if there's any improvement and to see what's covered. And it's really hit and miss. It can be really hit and miss. And you know, if I see something on the BBC News that catches my eye, I always make a point of texting Caroline and we write down their name, whether she's a, you know, um, a motorsport driver or whatever she might be. I always make a point of writing it down, but I wish I could write them down more because it, it doesn't happen enough. So will we get there? Well, yeah, the positive of me would love to say yes, but I think there's just there's just a long way to go from the research that we that we find, um, and from some of the things that we that we hear, it's just going to take quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I suppose in a way, you've you're seeking to influence the the whole of society's views um, and and beliefs and, and expectations as well, because I think that despite what people want there's an expectation that men's sport's going to get the, get the coverage. Um, well, it all comes down to money, Richmond. All comes down to money and how much, you know, how much money is in the game. Um, and at the moment, still, women's sport is not seen as being lucrative enough to earn the TV rights. Um, and therefore, you know, if it's not on television, people won't watch it. And so it's a vicious circle, really. Um, things like, you know, the netball being shown, that's really good. Um, and the Olympics is obviously a brilliant showcase for all of these sports, but it just comes around, you know, every four years. Okay, we've got the Commonwealth Games in between. We've got the Athletics World Championships. I don't think they get, you know, very high viewing figures. I mean, the Olympics does. Um, so I think sometimes as well, because of we are girls in sport and sort of living in our social media bubble of we are girls in sport, we think it's doing really, really well because we just see feeds from organisations that think very, very like us. And it's, it's actually a good wake up call when you do get a paper and have a look through it and you go, actually, I thought it was looking quite rosy, but it's it's not really. It's it's still quite bleak. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I, I, I do... That there's there's so many positive forces out there. I mean, we are you know a small fish in a in a, in a big pond. It's a big movement trying to really push women's sport, um, and they're doing it okay. They're doing it maybe slowly, and it's taking its time. But I I do believe that you know one day, fingers crossed, there'll be equal billing for for most sports. You know, I don't think we're ever necessarily going to see you know, archery, men's and women, you know, on, on mainstream TV. But um, I think you will see some of the bigger sports. Mm, yeah. it, it sounds though that more of your purpose is at the kind of the, the ground roots level, the day-to-day the -day level of, of just increasing participation, because 
you know, being active is, you know, is so important for so many different things. And there's so many advantages, as you, as you said at the beginning. And, and just trying to get as many, you know, youngsters, young girls to either maintain their levels of activity or, or, or restart or, or build on. Is that, would that be fair to say that's the main purpose? Yeah, I would say that was from a grassroots level. I think we both feel really passionately that you it's got to start from a young age. I mean, it is much easier to start um, a sport or a physical activity when you're younger and you're used to it. Um, I mean, this is not I don't know if this is a good example or not, but, you know, I've got a 10 month old baby and I'm trying to get back into my fitness. And I have my personal trainer three times a week over Zoom, which has been brilliant. I'm back doing my full press ups, which, you know, it might seem like quite a normal thing, but um, I, I love to, you know, it's really nice feeling, feeling strong again. But my friend who I train with is struggling with the press ups because she's never done them before. And we're both the same age and it's really interesting. So my trainer who is, is a, a former Olympic athlete, she was talking to me quite a lot, Rich, about muscle memory, which I'm sure, you know, is all part of your sort of work. And she says, Joe, your body remembers how to do it because you've done it from a young age, from in, from in my early 20s, probably doing press ups in the gym and your body naturally remembers how to do stuff. And that really made me think. So my daughter is 11, as I mentioned, and she does press ups next to me and is showing me up in some cases. But to do that from such a young age, I think is, is incredible. So going back to this grassroots level is really important. So one of the things that we, the research that we've done is going, going back to the Women's Sport Foundation again, they're saying that girls have 1.3 million fewer opportunities to play sport than boys. 1.3 million, that's a huge gap. So once again, Caroline and I are thinking, where are those opportunities? what local clubs are offering free trials so the girls can just rock up and give something a go and a lot of stuff that we try to promote that you'll see on our platforms is about giving stuff a try you know don't be afraid naturally caroline you know says that you might end up going through three or four sports before you find one that you're really passionate about um it could be scootering it could be running it could be trampolining it could be it could be anything but they've got to maybe try different things until they can find something that, that they really love. And our, our main aim is if they can find something from a young age that they really love, we can really help them to be active through their life. And there's never been a more important time than to, to be active right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, going to, into the sort of the, the youngsters then, what, what kinds of barriers are you finding that they're facing? Aside from the fact they don't seem to be the same opportunities, perhaps. What, what other things are stopping kids, female girls, from getting involved at that younger so, age? So I would say that at a young age, um, society is actually quite a big factor in as a barrier for girls getting involved in sport and sort of the way that we have been, um, you know, brought up to, to think that girls behave and boys behave. So, you know, I'm not saying this happens in every single household, but it's a common example whereby as soon as a boy can toddle, he's taken out into the garden and a football is placed at his feet. And when a girl can toddle, you know, she's signed up for ballet classes straight away. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with ballet. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with boys playing football. But, you know, why don't we let the boy have a go at ballet and the girl have a go at football? But because you know, society, it's, it's just the way it is and the way that it's been for centuries and girls behave one way and boys behave another. You know, we've really got to say to parents, it's okay for, for girls to get a bit muddy 
and it you know it's, it doesn't make them any less of a girl and recently joe and i have read actually a brilliant book um eat sweat play and um anna kessel says at the beginning of that you know i don't know what happens to girls because when you see toddler girls they're happy to just run along and they're quite happy to kind of um get a bit mucky you know and, and fall around and then there comes an age where suddenly they're sort of made to feel as though they should be pristine all the time and that really struck me and it made me think why do we lose that passion for just being silly and running around and having a go and it's it's suddenly sort of you know taken away from us so for me I think that's one of the, the really big barriers um, for young children and then you know they go into mainstream education and again not all schools some schools the majority of schools they're pigeonholed into certain sports and, um, you know, if they want to have a go at football and play with the boys at lunchtime, you know, again, <laughs> not wishing to generalise, but the boys are going to look at them a bit odd and be like, what are you doing here? And so they can never break in and they're just always made to feel like outsiders. So I think that's a really big barrier. As we get on into teenage years, I mean, the barriers are um, many and varied and complex. Um, and what's really interesting, again, in this Sport England report, is that actually, um, so last, in the summer term of 2020, teenage girls' participation in sport actually increased compared to 2019, um, as did very young children's participation. In the middle of that, it kind of decreased a little bit. But teenage girls actually increased, and they're saying that maybe that's because they didn't have so many competing priorities you know they didn't have as much schoolwork to do GCSEs weren't happening A-levels weren't happening really feel for them on that front um, but also I think that maybe during lockdown they had a chance to try things at home where nobody was watching them they could do something online um, they maybe didn't feel quite so body conscious because their peers and boys weren't around um, if they had their period, if they were, you know, in the midst of their menstrual cycle, they could just deal with that because they were at home. They could choose to exercise at a different time of day. And so I think, as, as you know, that's a really interesting fact that we should be exploring a bit more as to why that, that number went up. And so far, Sport England have just said they think it's because there were fewer priorities. Um, you know, my, my personal view is that it's probably a bit more than that, that they had the chance to do something at home. Um, without people watching, like I said. But yeah, the barriers get way more complicated as we hit teenage years. So that, I mean, that first, well, those first stages, you know, that, that social conditioning, you know, it's really going to depend a lot then on, on the big influences in that, that child's life. So, you know, the parents in particular and, and what they believe. And even if they have you know, the best intentions, we, we still all have our own form of social conditioning and biases. So it's going to take a lot of self-awareness of individuals to, to change what, we, what we're thinking. Yeah. Well, a lot of our blogs, sorry, go on, Joe. I was just going to say, you're absolutely right, Rich. Um, we feel so passionately about it. It has to start at home. So whoever the parent or caregivers are, we are their first role models which always feels like quite a lot of pressure. And actually, if our kids don't see us moving, you know, they're not going to feel that inspired to be moving either. And, you know, what Caroline was saying about, you know, we can't quite pinpoint exactly what it is with girls as to why they're different. But 
the myth of the perfect girl is a bit of an issue. You know, we we set so much pressures on our girls. I'm not saying that we don't with boys, but there is this myth around always trying to do things perfectly, which I think is a real issue for girls. And it's really affecting their mental health and girl guiding talk about it all the time that they think it's at almost crisis point really where we, where we are right now. And from a young age, and I'm probably guilty of it as well is, you know, we say be a good girl, stay within the lines and, and all of these things that we say almost by accident, but actually maybe we need to free them a little bit, let them make mistakes, you know, let them, let them try different things, let them get mucky, let them go down the rugby club. And I think because my daughter's been down the rugby club from such a young age as well, um, the boys are very welcoming with her because they've known her since she was five. And that's really important. She's not, I mean, obviously people can come in now, but I'm just saying that they don't see her as any different. And that's really important, I think. They see her as she's just there to play. And, you know, all of this with We Are Girls in Sport is whether they win or they lose that there's lots of things we learn through winning and losing in, in matches but actually let's put the score aside for a moment just let them play mm. so may, maybe the boys then are um of that age they're they're playing a big part in this in the fact that, that they just see it as something normal which they then educate their parents yeah exactly. these are really exciting changing times you know as you as caroline she's got two boys and she will happily talk to her boys about Erin playing rugby and, and they almost they see each other as, as, as equals. And I'm so excited about the, maybe this next generation of boys that we're raising that will have a much better understanding that my son, my son, Seth, who is nearly nine, plays cricket and rugby and football and what have you with his sister and doesn't see that as any different, no different at all. Yeah, it is really exciting. And I think just going back to what we were saying about changing parents' point of view, a lot of our blogs are actually written for parents. Um, we hope that girls will read them as well or parents might share them with girls. But we know that it's going to be the parents that are funding sport and driving children or driving the girls you know, around the country to, or even just around the town uh, to matches. So what we're trying to do is say to them you know look at look at the benefits of trying something new look at the benefits of pushing your daughter out of the door maybe to go for a run with you because who knows that might help her in future years when she's got postnatal depression we wrote a blog about a lady who'd accidentally found running at school um, despite coming from a really unsporty family later in life bless her suffered from postnatal depression and running became her therapy um, and she's now a complete sort of exercise addict, um, but in, in a very healthy way. And that's what we're trying to say to parents is you're not just sort of helping your daughter, you know, now. Um, it is it's a, it's a lifelong habit that you're starting, no matter what the sport is. You know, my mum started playing golf when she, she was 14. She's 70 next month and she still plays. And that is a real constant. It's been a real constant throughout her life. Um, and it's you know, she'll, she'll never give it up. It's something that has really helped her. And that's what we want to say is just look at how you could be helping your daughter now and onwards. Definitely, definitely. I mean, that, that brings us on quite nicely to the, the sort of the second part. I'm going to pause before we go on to the second part um, because you've got a big push on, on wellness uh, and having a wellness month. So I, I want to talk to you about that. Or you can tell me about that. So I'm just going to pause here. And then we'll come back to that in the second part. 
Righty-ho. So you've, you've got this uh, a wellness month going on at the moment. Um, tell, tell me about that. So when we always have lots of ideas, which is one of our biggest issues, actually, is we always have lists and loads of things that we want to do. And although we're doing a lot through the blog, we really want to open up some big conversations. And we thought uh, we're doing some over Instagram Live, um, but also... January, I know it's well known for being a Kickstarter, isn't it? Whether it's health or, or wellness or fitness. So we were really on the fence as to, is it a good time to do this? We've just gone into lockdown. What do people really want to hear? But I think we made a decision that maybe it's a really good time to talk about these subjects because, well, people are at home mm. and we hope that they've got time in the evenings to join us for a bit of a conversation. So we sort of wanted to flip it on its head and thinking maybe it is the right time. So we wrote down a list of subjects that we really wanted to cover. And we wrote down confidence, nutrition, uh, menstrual cycles, eating disorders, and obviously injury prevention that we're talking with you tomorrow. And they just felt like really, really interesting topics that we could open a conversation with. And it has been fantastic that people are willing to give up their time to be speakers for us. Um, and we have had the most amazing turnout, Rich, already. So um, Caroline asked me to speak on the first one about confidence with the how people. That was really good. You know, talking about what's happening for our girls, how, how we can build confidence through their life, also through those early role models like we talked about but also how sport can really impact helping girls to learn those things which are crucial, such as teamwork, good communication, how they build good friendship groups. Um, you know, there's lots of studies, isn't there, that um, the girls that grow that confidence on the pitch, they 86% or, or a very high number of, of high, um, you know, C-suite execs or high-level execs, they did sport in their life when they were younger. So I'm not saying everyone needs to go off and... Um, uh, be a leader if they don't want to but they can learn so many of those values there so confidence was the first one that we did and then um last week we did one on uh, menstrual cycles periods and we got the um, most amazing turnout i think almost 90 people um were on that call and the call lasted an hour and a half and even rich when i was trying to wrap up we had so many questions my chat box was going off the scale um and I was thinking people are going to drop off because technically the talk has ended, but everybody was still hanging on to every word that Dr. Emma Ross was saying. It was just so powerful. And it made us really think people are not having these conversations. That's yeah. why they're on this call. Yeah. It's just not really available. Um, if tomorrow we're talking about injury prevention. Let's say it's so nice. Even my 19 year old friend's daughter, she's like, got to be on that call. Really want to hear what he has to say. And it's really nice that we're, we're hitting teenagers, but all the way through to, to women that might be in their 60s or, or 70s that have got a, an injury that they also want to hear some. We're getting expert advice, really. Um, Both my parents are joining Rich because they want to see what they should have been doing, maybe. In their youth. <laughs> well, it's never it's never too late, you see. And, and yeah. And, and some of the stuff, I'm not going to tell you what's in it, but some of the, well, actually, you'll probably see the slides before, but, you know, some of the stuff people probably won't be expecting. It'll be a, a sort of fairly pleasant surprise. You know, one of the one of the ways you can look at these things. Okay. Uh, should tie in nicely with with the theme and, and the other things, you know, the other the other areas that you're, you're addressing. But, but you, I think you probably hit the nail on the head, haven't you? The fact that 
these are conversations that are not being had in a way that's meaningful enough for girls. Definitely. And, you know, for me personally, I go in and I'm a, I'm a registered speaker for schools. So I go into schools and colleges and universities to talk to hundreds and hundreds of girls. And I still don't feel like I'm doing enough. So, um, you know, to be able to speak uh, to an audience, you know, a lot of the stuff I, do, I, I can do for free sometimes if, you know, I do a lot of pro bono stuff anyway, because I do it because I want to. And it's really nice, and especially for Dr. Emma Ross, you know, she she's a, a really good accredited speaker and people are giving up their time to hear from from people who know about their fields. And um, I'm really looking, I'm really interested by them. And so we've got one on eating disorders, um, which is such a big topic um, and, and nutrition. You know, it's it's really important, isn't it? At the moment, we've talked about physical health and mental health and you know, when you're feeling a bit low and you're going to grab a snack, which isn't going to make you actually feel any better. And it's just how we tune into that conscious of, of what we're not only giving ourselves, but equally what we're giving our children, because we're all moping around the house. I mean, I do these weekly shops, I'm sure you guys do as well. And all of a sudden we've like run out of food. And I'm thinking, oh my good, we are going through so much food in our house. Uh, we're very lucky, obviously, um, that the kids, because they're just at home, or if, they, if you've got a husband at home as well, everybody just wants, mm -hmm. just wants to have a snack all the time, and we've got to stop doing that, really. Um, so all of them are really important. I almost don't want Wellness Month to come to an end, really, and it's put us under a bit of pressure to go, what are we going to do for February? <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think the idea behind it, Rich, was that, you know, further to what Joe has said, is that a well girl is a is a happy girl and she is more inclined to want to try something if she feels good in her body and good in her mind. A girl who um, maybe feels like she's lacking energy or a girl who has uh, self-esteem issues, you know, is not going to be the girl that necessarily wants to dip her toe into a new sport and give it a go. So the way, one of the things that was the driving force behind it was just that idea of a, you know, a well girl is a happy girl. She's more likely to give it a go. And I, you know, I don't think we, we're, we're hoping that we're gonna transform lives, but just in the baby steps. So if one, if one club suddenly starts talking to their girls about the menstrual cycle and how it's impacting them, then we've made a difference without wishing to sound too cliched, you know, if one mum suddenly starts thinking about, or, or dad for that matter, sorry, uh, starts thinking about mealtimes in a different way and how they can engage with their daughter around the table and check what she's eating and that kind of thing, then again, you know, I'll, we'll feel like we've made a difference. So it's definitely baby steps, but the, girl, the goal is a well girl is a happy girl. Do you, do you think that your, yes, the project's gonna talk right across the, the range um so obviously people come from from very different backgrounds different cultures different opportunities you know at home different challenges at home and 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 the people that really need support usually are those that, that don't get anywhere near it totally absolutely 100 agree and that is definitely something which is on our radar um we are fully aware that um a lot of the people coming to our talks are um, privileged in some way, not necessarily financially, but they are you know, privileged, be it family support, um, the community around them. 
but we know and again going back to the sport england report you know it's going to be no surprise to you that it's the the children from the low income families who are the least active um again not wishing to generalize but that's what the stats are saying so we would really like to find a way and we've got some ideas this is like as joe said we've always got ideas but ways of trying to encourage people from all kinds of backgrounds like you know we really believe in inclusivity um to have a go at a sport and luckily there are some fantastic role models out there already you've just got to look really hard to find them um which we're willing to do uh which is why as joe said I'm looking for squash players and fencers and archers, but you know, I, I want them to be from particular backgrounds so that we can really reflect the whole of society in our blogs and on our platforms. Um, because it's something that really matters to me and Joe, and it, it's just really important. People don't feel marginalized by yeah. sport yeah. and exercise. Yeah. So yeah, completely agree. We've got lots of ideas about how we can try to achieve that but, you know, um, as Joe said, we're babies in all this. We're, we're learning as we go. Um, and, you know, if anybody's listening to this podcast has got some ideas of, of how we can move things along a bit quicker, you know, we're willing to, to listen. But, but, yeah, that's definitely on the radar. Fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll put all your contact details um, at the end so people can can get in touch but going back to joe's point about you know it's, it's wellness month but of course the thing about wellness is that it's it's day-to-day -day habits that that shape that that positive future in terms of, of health how, how are you going to encourage people to to keep going and not see it as just oh well, we do it once or twice and then that's probably what i need to do isn't it <laughs> well i think through our blogs and through our platforms just by the very nature of what we write about, we're echoing those thoughts all the time, you know? So we've realized, or I've, you know, we've realized over the, over the time that we've been doing this, that people don't succeed in their sport by, by chance. It's by hard work. And it's by concentrating on those marginal gains, be it what you're eating, be it by paying attention to your cycle, be it by getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, um, you know, looking after your body and, and making sure you don't get injuries. So that comes through in our blogs anyway, just because of the way that we interview people, the way we talk about them. So I, I'd hope that if that that's the way that we, we continue the message and also just appearing on podcasts. And, you know, I'm getting better at doing the odd little video. Joe is brilliant at doing videos. But, you know, just actually talking directly to our community and saying, you know, have you had your five a day? Have you drunk your two litres of water today? Um, because those kind of things do matter and they can make a difference. Have you spoken to somebody today about a worry that's on your mind? Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. So how, how do you see things in the ideal world in perhaps five years time? Where, where would you like to be with We Are Girls in Sport? Oh, well, that's an exciting question. Go on, Joe. Well, I mean, I would just love to see it, you know, shared and loved by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people because Caroline and I have two boys here and we came together because we felt that we were stronger together and using our voice. And sometimes when we think, yeah, but we're only two people, but just by having those 90 people on the call last week, um, we were able to prove that two voices could change one girl's life. It could change how she feels about herself, how she feels about herself that day, that week. 
and we actually can have the power to literally transform how how girls feel we might be able to help them to find something that ends up being their career we've interviewed so many people that have just found their career by accident um when we interviewed rocky clark who's the most capped you know england a female rugby player and she was saying how she completely um started rugby by accident and their stories um that girls need to hear and how her body became her her career almost even though she felt in her teenage years that you know she wasn't built like everybody else but that's become her strength and sharing all of that is is what makes me really excited um i think we'd love to do a podcast but that hopefully that will come at some point very soon um, we've got a couple of things under wraps that we really hope will come to fruition but it, it, you know it is about reaching we have the ability with social media to reach millions of people if we really want to and that's the excitement we've seen how much it's grown already and we, I think we've, we've got a really good chance of, of leveraging that so much further. What would you like to add, Caroline? No, I was just going to say that we're both really passionate about, about this subject. And I could really talk about it all day. You know, it's something very close to my heart. And I would just like us to, uh, to impact, like Joe said, as, as many girls and families, though, as possible, you know, to sort of make parents think, Oh, why, why have I never considered taking her down to, to rugby, you know, with my son? Why, maybe she'd like to have a go or, um, you know, maybe she'd like to come out for a run with me or maybe she'd like to play golf with me, which I did try with my mum, but I was awful. Um, but, you know, just shaking things up a little bit in our own small way as we are right now, but just making those baby steps so that in five years time, you know, we're not having this conversation. We're having far grander conversations like TV rights in women's sport and the battle over that and, you know, how little men's coverage of sport there is in the paper. But, you know, okay, that's maybe a bit extreme. But that's what we'd like to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can have our own TV show interviewing exactly. wonderful women and girls that we find. And actually finding those girls is, is, is so inspiring um when we find them that that just come out yeah. and they're the ones that will be at the in the in the olympics in 10 years time you know we're we're finding them now um while they're at their early stages and um yeah like caroline said it's just a really exciting time for us to to you you know to use our voices to and to, and to leverage our platforms to, for the power of good yeah who knows where it's going to go from mm, here absolutely. and one last thing one last encouraging thing that i would say is something that i've learned whilst whilst being involved in, in We Are Girls in Sport is that the, the more marginalized or the, the more minority your sport is, the more likely, if you're good at it, the more likely you are to get a career out of it. Now, it's not to say that you're going to earn millions and be like Serena Williams or, um, you know, any of the other big, see, I'm even struggling to think of big female sports stars. That's really bad. But, um, but you know, People like Georgina Thomas that we interviewed in shooting. We've we've met archers. We've met all sorts of different sports people from these minority sports who end up going on to the Olympics, going on to the Commonwealth Games, and and yeah, making a real career out of sport. Um, so that would be my one of my little encouragements for your audience. If if someone wanted that you know they realized that that being more active was was important um but but the idea of a sport in terms of a game didn't really appeal to them what what would you how would you advise them to start so what you mean like an individual sport 
No, well, just someone wants to be more active. They they want to go outside, and and they just know that that it's something that's good for them. They they've managed to take that step of of realizing that, and they're at the point of taking action now. For some people, of course, they they would have come a huge way just to get to that point. So that they're, they're kind of ready to be to be active. What what would you advise them to do next? A couple of things from my perspective, really. I mean, the first thing is, I suppose, being in, in lockdown as we are at the moment, being able to do stuff online, whether you're watching it on YouTube or whatever it might be, and you want to do it on your own where you don't have to feel uncomfortable, you're not in the middle of a sweaty gym class with everyone around you, and you feel like every time they're dancing one way or doing Zumba or whatever, and you feel like you're going in the other direction you know, we've, we've been there, um, you can actually really build your confidence from the, from the get-go. I mean, just using it as an example, my kids um, didn't really fancy doing it because, again, maybe they just prefer to be outside. But again, every child is different. But the, the success of Joe Wicks, of just getting kids moving, you know, we talked about grassroots, we talked about, um, you know, people coming from lots of different backgrounds and, and cultures and what access do they have. Well, there is a lot of stuff that's online and actually our job perhaps is to share it. And one of the things that we have talked about at length um, between us is at some stage trying to have some kind of directory because we talk about giving stuff a try, um, but, but how and where. And what would be lovely as we build this community over the next five years, Rich, is that actually they'll start to share stuff to say, right, we're doing some trials, come down for free just bring your bring your daughter and just come and give it a go. Um, or we might be offering a number of free sessions because we know that that these coaches don't don't do you know they're all they're all volunteers. They'll do it because they love sport. They do it because they love the kids. Um, so where possible, we have to try and show the parents and caregivers where they can go or where they can do stuff. So it does start at home. I mean, I set up an obstacle course around my garden. Um, to keep the kids entertained in the first lockdown, which was brilliant. Um, you know, it's free to do that. I got some logs and I got some different pieces of instruments and stuff that was around the garden. They jump in over stuff, hopping, have to, you know, bounce the ball 20 times. And then we were, do we were counting them. Um, yesterday, we bought four buzzers on Amazon for 10 pounds. And when you click a different buzzer, you have to do a different activity, whether it was 20 star jumps or burpees. And actually, I need to get involved in that you know, because they do follow, they do follow our lead. And, and already they were asking me, can we do the buzzer challenge today? So maybe just for 10 pounds, you could have a lot, a lot of fun um, with doing stuff like that. That's just some ideas really, but there is a lot of stuff online and available to kids for free. So yeah, in lockdown, on there. in lockdown one, Rich, we um, asked a number of sports people to give us their top tips for staying active. Um, Helen Glover, the Olympic rower, was the first one to send in her video to us. Um, and she, hers was so simple, but so brilliant and one that you can definitely relate to. And it was just put your trainers on and get outside. And almost, you know, once you put your trainers on, you feel a bit more active anyway. And you're more inclined to go and just go out for a brisk walk. Who cares? Then step it up to a run. Just get outside and do something. Um, Amy Truesdale, who's a Paralympic Taekwondo athlete, hers was great as well, which was just start by doing, say, 10 burpees in the morning, you know, and then the following week, put it up to 15 and then the following week, you know, put it up to 20. So 
there are lots of very simple things that you can do. Um, another one was to sort of plan it the day before. So, you know, say, right, tomorrow at three o'clock, I'm going for a run and I'll sort of plan your day around that, or I'm going for a brisk walk. Um, but then it's in, your, it's in your mind that that's what you're going to do. There's lots of very simple things that you can do that are hopefully inexpensive. Um, just to get outside, get some fresh air, you know, get your heart pumping a little bit and, and start to feel the benefits of being active. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That, that simplicity and it being inexpensive is, is key. And then habit formation is, is really about setting the bar low, which we're not used to. We're used to setting the bar usually too high and making it unachievable. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think we feel like we should be running, you know, long distances way too soon, which is probably leading to injuries. But anyway, you can talk about that tomorrow night. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're just a lot, you know, Joe, Joe and I laugh about it because I'm so passionate about just getting a PB. So, you know, if it's if running around the block has taken you 10 minutes today, maybe tomorrow it can take you nine minutes, 30 or even nine minutes 50, you know, but just keep on trying to shave a bit of time off. Um, and if you don't, who cares? Could be your, could be that you're on your period. Go out the following week or following day and try again. But, but yeah, don't be, don't be um, thinking that you've got to suddenly become an elite athlete. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what um, kinds of activities are you two up to at the moment? What are you doing to keep active? Well, Joe's got, you know, Joe's got her Olympic personal trainer. Uh, so <laughs> I've, uh, well, I walk my dog several times a week. I have just invested in a Peloton bike, which, which, which I love. And I keep boring Joe with how much I love it. <laughs> I was so excited the other day because I messaged one of the, I commented on one of the Peloton instructors posts and she actually replied to me um so yeah that's my new obsession but I tell you what is amazing about the peloton bike joking aside is that I went on one two years ago in the states with when we stayed with some friends and we got one this time and I was absolutely shocking on it you know I could barely come out of the saddle my legs were absolutely killing me I thought oh my gosh we've just invested in this thing and you know I'm not going to be any good on it but actually by you know going on it four or five times a week, I have really seen such a massive improvement. And it sort of made me, um, well, it, it's made me appreciate what people go through when you're starting, you know, when you're starting a new, a new habit is that you've just got to keep persevering. But it's been remarkable, the difference. I think I'm on my 16th week, as it tells you, 16 week streak. Um, and it's, it's really amazing, the difference uh, in what I, what I can achieve and what I feel capable of doing um so so yeah you know okay it's, I, I do bang on about my peloton bike but um i have really noticed the difference in my fitness levels and what i'm capable of doing yeah so you you know, you've found something that energizes you that you perhaps even look forward to i absolutely look forward absolutely look forward to it and i you know it used to be running for me until i got some injuries and now, um, yeah, I really look forward to it at the end of the day. And it's a great release, especially at the moment in lockdown with homeschooling and, you know, the balling of the fists at times. You can kind of just let it all out on there and 
get really sweaty and uh, yeah, feel really good afterwards. Excellent. I'm really trying to get back into my running. I've, I've done about four half marathons in the past, not to your sort of level, Rich. I'm pretty, it's more, more of a shuffle more than anything else. But, um, and I don't run with music. I love the freedom of just listening to my, my chest. Um, and I, 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 you know, I just like to, I just, I just like to run on my own um, with with my own thoughts and um and my husband who is was in um was in the army was in the commandos he's a very fit guy and he always says to me joe it's not about how fast you are it's actually how long you've been gone for it's about building up your endurance and actually that's been really nice for me because i think well you know i can be gone for for quite a while and um until they send the search party out for me and but now that i've had my third baby again i um haven't really been out running and I've got a fear, you know, I've got to get my trainers on, as Caroline says, uh, one of my husband's favourite lines, because I know I'm not going to be very good at it. And I don't like it when I'm not very good at something, but, you know, I'm just going to have to get my trainers on, do my shuffle and try and get back up to a respectable level where, you know, I can, I can build it back up. But it just takes time and it is practice. Like Caroline said, it's so nice to see um, like my performance of doing my my personal training over Zoom, it's you know it's what we've what we've become accustomed to. But if I was to look back at the videos of what I was like six months ago, you know I'm so much fitter than I was. So yeah, I think it's really nice for everybody. You know, no matter how old you are, whether you're 11 years old or 71 years old, you know, setting like we've said on this call, setting your micro goals for yourself of you know, when you look at the big outcome goals, we've got some big outcome goals that Caroline and I talk about all the time, such as our TV show. Um, but actually those micro goals of getting your trainers on and just doing something and maybe being 30 seconds faster than you was. And it is such a personal thing. And I run for myself, you know, people love the Strava sharing apps and think I don't need to I don't feel like I need to share it with anybody. They really do not want to see anything that I'm sharing. But I it's how it, it is how it makes me feel. And I always try to be better than I was yesterday. And maybe that's something we're trying to teach our teach our girls is just try and do your whatever is your personal best. Just just do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's brilliant. Look, it's um, it's been great to hear what you're up to and um, best of luck with it all. And obviously Thank we're going to be doing something tomorrow night and, and happy to help however Thank I can in, in the future. Um, how, how can people find you? We are Go, on social media. So um, on Instagram, we are at We Are Girls in Sport. And we are on Facebook, We Are Girls in Sport, and we're also uh, building our Twitter following as well. Or you can go on our website to follow all our brilliant blogs, which is wearegirlsinsport.com. So please do go check us out and, uh, and give us a little follow. We would really appreciate that. And feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn as well. So yeah. I'm sure you'll publish our names. But yeah, we'd love to connect with anybody who's as passionate as we are. Brilliant, superb. Well, maybe we'll um, we'll have another conversation down the line, and then we can um, check in and hear about what uh, what you've achieved. You can hear our micro goals and our outcome goals. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. We'd love to come right. on again. Thank you so much. I'll see Thanks. you tomorrow. Thanks again. Thanks, Richmond. Bye. Bye.